Welcome to the Best Player Wins podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. We are your hosts. I am Nate Endries, hosting alongside Jake Deemer. Jake, welcome to the seventh episode for week six of our fantasy baseball season. How are you feeling? Uh, well, I was feeling happy because I won this past week, but then that turned to sadness when I saw that Jacob deGrom is now going to be put on the injured list. I did see that, but I also saw that there's nothing like seriously wrong with him or that they don't think that anything's seriously wrong with him. And cheer up, you're 10-0, the only guy in the league that has fewer than two losses. I think everyone else has either two or more, and you... Here we are, five weeks into the season. You have not tasted defeat yet, so. Hopefully that continues this week. Pretty good start to the season for you. Uh, In today's episode, we're going to be doing all the usual stuff, plus we're going to be doing a standings deep dive, as well as giving you our picks for manager of the month through the first month of the season. So let's jump right into it. For our prior week recap for our fifth matchup of the year, Jake, who did you have as the biggest upset? Which matchup? I think that there there is one correct answer to this, and that is Eddie versus Mike. We got to give Eddie some love here. Uh, he got in the win column. I don't, and I don't think that this week that a stat correction is going to change the result of this one. So Eddie was led this week by none other than the return for the Mackenzie Gore trade that we talked about last week. Wade Miley and Taiwan Walker combined for 92 points, which was only which was only 10 and a half points shy of Mike's total amount of points for his entire pitching staff. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton is heating up with 30 points over the week. Cedric Mullins, a player that I originally drafted in our worst ball league, was right behind him with 27 and a half. Uh, but despite this strong showing, I, Eddie had room for even more. I saw on his bench that McNeil, Alonzo, and Teoscar Hernandez, another guy who was in the, in the McKenzie Gore trade, they all scored over 20 points on his bench. But uh, Eddie faces a tough challenge this week with Courtney. But I think that his team looks to be trending up, and this was definitely it was definitely good that he got the, his first win under his, under his belt this week. Yeah, Jake, you uh, stole some of some of my thunder because I also chose Eddie versus Mike. As you said, I think it's the one correct answer for biggest upset this week. And and anytime we have a winless team over a month into the season, and they not only secure their first win but do so by scoring the most points in the league for the week, I think it's worth mentioning, right? Uh, to get it over a strong team that we've discussed plenty already this season, like Mike's, is the cherry on top for Eddie. And you've already touched on this, but I don't, I don't want to take an early victory lap on my Mackenzie Gore trade take from last week's episode. But I do want to point out the irony, as you mentioned, of Wade Miley and Taiwan Walker combining to score 92 points in this matchup for Eddie. I'll go out on a limb and say that this point total in week five alone will be greater than the point total that Mackenzie Gore contributes for the entire 2021 season. But of course that trade is neither here nor there and still has plenty of time to play out. So I will end my takes on that trade there. The biggest story in this matchup to me was, and you mentioned the guys by name, but Eddie's offense proved that it can hang with the best of them in the league, finishing only second only to his opponent, big money, Mike, Eddie's team produced 155 points on offense while Mike scored 160. Um, And if his team can consistently provide this offensive floor, his weakness in pitching won't be as much of a black eye as his two and eight record would have you believe. So definitely keep an eye on this gone forever offense in the next week or two to see if they can keep up that high floor. 
Uh, Jake, most shocking outcome, which matchup did you have for this one? All right, so I had your matchup with Sam, and I think that this matchup was probably a lot more fun for me and everyone else to watch than it was for you guys to participate in. Uh, honestly, this was one of the craziest matchups I can remember seeing. For most of the week, uh, Nate's team limped along. It was only, only scoring 83.2 points through Friday, including scoring less than two points on two separate days. Entering the weekend, Sam held a commanding 78-point lead. Then Saturday happened. And Nate scored 114.7 points to Sam's 12.6. Now Nate leads Sam by 36.7 points heading into the final day on Sunday. Now, normally that would be a pretty comfortable lead, but Sam did have four starters to Nate's one. But as has been the case over the last few weeks, Sam's pitching let him down again. His pitching staff finished in the negative on the day. Aaron Nola, Kyle Hendricks, Herman Marquez, and Zach Grinke combined for a 6.30 ERA and three losses. So to top off the crazy matchup, Nate was also able to eke out a second win by just slipping past Nick to t- and topping the league median by half a point. So really it was a lot of fun for me to watch. I'm sure it was a very stressful ride for you and Sam to be in. Uh, it was definitely shocking to see your team like, basically rise from the dead with a big day on Saturday. Uh, and for Sam, despite all the pitchers to – not be able to pull back ahead on Sunday. So that would definitely be my pick for the most shocking outcome for a number of reasons. Yeah. Top the league median by half a point, which of course is just the halfway point between the number six and seven scorers. So I topped Nick's team by 1.1 points overall in the matchup. And I had to give him a little bit of grief and let him know about it last night, which was we're recording this on Monday. So Sunday night after all was said and done, I had to let him know like, Hey, beat you by a point, 1.1 points to be the, to go to get the second win on the week. So that was sweet for me. And I'll be honest with you. You mentioned like it, it was probably stressful for me or Sam. I'll be open and transparent. I've kind of had fantasy fatigue and that's something that's never really happened to me, but I've had fantasy fatigue probably for the last week and a half where I just, I don't know. I just don't really have the strong desire to check the scores throughout the week to monitor the waiver wire like I normally do. So I think I told JC this last night, but I only checked the scores actually one time throughout the week before prepping for this episode of the podcast. So I lived a pretty stress, stress-free stress life regarding fantasy uh, for this past week's matchup for as stressful and as close as it was because I just didn't really look at the score all that often. But I'm glad that you gave the story of kind of how things shook out because I really only saw in the end that I was up. I think I won by like 30 points or or something like that, but I didn't realize that my team was kind of laying an egg for most of the matchup. So that's definitely, definitely an interesting matchup to hear about. My pick for most shocking outcome was one that you might not expect team Andrew bomb 12, which has now been rebranded, but we, we will, call it team Andrew bomb 12 for the purposes of this segment versus testicular Torkelson in his swan song. Andrew held the lead in his matchup with Jerwin entering the final day of the week, which I can't say that I expected Uh, even with a weak winless roster entering the matchup. I expected Jerry's team to breeze to its first win of the season. And while he finally did pick up a win, it certainly wasn't easy. It took a strong offensive performance on Sunday led by none other than the seemingly non-existent Kyle Tucker. 
Uh, in fairness to Jerwin, he was down his best pitcher all matchup long in Corbin Burns, who many assumed would return from the COVID IL to make at least one start by the end of the weekend. But he was able to win in spite of this open lineup slot. Uh, and it was a fitting end for Baum's short-lived career in the low expectations league to be feat- defeated by his mentor, Jerwin, in his final matchup. And uh, I have to say, perhaps we gave Andrew the wrong impression by naming this league the low expectations league long ago, because Andrew set a new low in terms of expectations to have for a manager in the league. So I say so long, farewell, and speaking strictly in business terms, good riddance to to Andrew, uh, not a manager that contributed to the fun of the league. I think that would be a fair thing to say. Anything to add, Jake? No. <laughs> Sounds good. We move on to the top three standings update for each division. So as I already mentioned, Jake is 10 and 0. Jake's fantasy baseball team is the number one seed in the East division. I shouldn't say right behind him, but in second place is JC with a record of seven and three. And Nick continuing to hold on to that number three seed in the East division with a head to head win over Jordan this week. He now has a record of six and four. That is Pine Run Market. And in the West division, We've already talked so much about how the competition is going to be close all year from basically top to bottom in that division. Courtney still holds the lead in the division with a record of eight and two. That is team C Deemer. I have have the second place seed with a record of seven and three number one contender. And Brendan is the third place team in the West division with a record of six and four. That is Cleveland white males. I think that that top three, I think that the top three really in each of the two divisions has been steady now for the last few weeks. So we will see if any of the teams in either the East or the West division can kind of jump up and grab a top three spot in the next few weeks. Let's uh, move on to our trade segment. This is going to be brief, just like it was last week. We only had one deal that we discussed in, in, pretty good detail last week. I don't know. I was going to say was, was last week's trade talk. Was that brief? No, I'm brief in terms of the quantity of trades, I guess I should say. We talked about the Mackenzie Gork trade in great detail last week that I I didn't necessarily anticipate talking about it for that long, but I don't think that we're going to go into as much detail on this one, but we are certainly welcome to if you'd like, Jake. The trade was Jordan gave up his boy, his son, Glaber Torres, and also George Springer. And Sam gave in return Tim Anderson and Charlie Blackman. What was your initial reaction to this trade, Jake? Well, I think that the rest of the league should be pretty scared because it seems to to me that it's pretty clear Jordan will do whatever it takes to win if he's willing to trade Glaber Torres. I'm pretty shocked that the Glaber era is over, to be honest. Uh, But I thought thought this was a fine deal to move him in. Um, While I wouldn't – while I would normally prefer Springer over Anderson by a pretty – good margin uh Springer is on on the aisle again and you have to start getting a little concerned at this point it's with the quad again he's he tweaked it while he was only serving as the team's dh so the fact that he can't even do that is pretty concerning uh, this is his second stint on the aisle with this with this injury and you would, you would kind of think that the blue jays are going to bring him along even more slowly this time i also don't think that it can be ignored that anderson is really is the only player in this trade that has good keeper value and he's a 13th round pick next season and i while i wrote while i do prefer torres to blackman uh it is pretty close 
I think that Springer is in for a longer absence on the IL. So I do like Jordan's that's, that's kind of what pushes me towards Jordan's side on this one. Yeah, I would agree. I would prefer the return that Jordan got to the one that Sam got Springer when they're all healthy is the best player in the deal. And it certainly helps that he has center field eligibility. Whereas Tim Anderson, you mentioned this is the next best player in the deal. He has shortstop only eligibility, which we all have come to know as a deep position in fantasy baseball. But uh, when Springer is not healthy and Tim Anderson is obviously the gap is far and wide between them because Anderson is good enough to hold his own against Springer, even when both are healthy. Um, Even though I would, like I said, give a little bit of a preference to Springer, but Labor Torres, he, it's no secret that he's never done much for me. I have not ever been a personal big fan of Glaber Torres in real life or in fantasy, really. Uh, he has struggled mightily this season. I don't know if he's recently turned it around, but I did notice a week or two, go, two weeks ago that he was struggling very badly um, to the extent that Jordan wasn't even starting him in his lineup. We all know how much Jordan loves Glaber Torres. So I think in the long run, Sam did well to get the highest upside player in Springer here. But I think that Jordan did well by getting players that are going to help him right now. And you'll notice that neither of these two teams, Jordan or Sam, are in the top three in their own divisions. And we're, you know, still, it's still early in the baseball season. We still have four months to go until the fantasy baseball season wraps up. So there are still plenty of time for it these teams to turn their fate around and climb up the standings in their own divisions. But I do like given that both of these teams are struggling early, the, the kind of nod to getting help right now, which is what Jordan targeted with his return. So I would give the slight edge there. And, and you already mentioned Tim Anderson having keeper value kind of puts the cherry on top to make it the clear choice for me in this deal that Jordan would be the winner walking away. Plenty of time for it to age differently, but that was my initial reaction to this deal. So I think we are mostly in agreement there. We we can now move on to the standings deep dive, which we haven't done yet this season. But basically, we are going to talk about three different teams. One, or I should say the first of which we are going to discuss who we believe is the Cinderella story or the team that is kind of surprisingly doing well early in the season. Jake, do you want to lead us off and give us your Cinderella story early this year? Yes, I got Nick for this one. Um, I don't think any of us expected an expansion team to have the success that Nick is having, especially so soon. I think that the biggest success story with him so far is definitely his pitching staff. Uh, Going by total fantasy points, Nick has the fifth best pitching staff in the league, and he's doing that without anyone we really regarded as kind of a true fantasy ace coming into the season. Instead, he's been able to put a, put together a staff mostly of just unheralded players taking advantage of breakouts by Carlos Rodon and Trevor Rogers, And he's also been able to pick his spots with who to stream each week. He's also having a lot of success while building a good keeper pool for next season and having by far the most players on the IL with eight. And that's not even counting the fact that he's gotten nothing out of Sixto Sanchez. Uh, but both of these things, selling and having stars hurt, should normally sink a team, but Nick currently has a two-game lead on Jordan for the third place in the East Division. So really, he should only get better as some of these stars get healthy. And I think that seeing what he does going forward 
makes his team the most interesting team in the league as we start to getting closer to the trade deadline. Yeah, not to sound like a broken record, as I always say, but Nick was my choice for this as well. I think it's a pretty clear choice in terms of a team that's doing well that we didn't have an expectation to do really well at the beginning of the season. So Nick's team, Pine Run Market, is 6-4. and four. He is the number three seed in the East Division, number five seed overall in the league. So he even stacks up decently well with the tough West Division that we've mentioned plenty. Uh, as you said, he's one of our expansion teams. I was kind of, I was confident that Nick would still be competing for a playoff spot in our league uh, as we entered draft season. That was until he told me very early in the season that he planned on selling his top players for keepers uh, again early in the season. And obviously, he was serious about it by trading me Luis Castillo and Marcelo Zuna for. Pablo Lopez, who's a good pitcher, but also two guys that were recovering from Tommy John surgery and Clevenger and Sale. Um, but while he has done just that, meaning selling some of those top players for keepers, he just so happened to fall backwards into a few breakout players, such as Trevor Rogers, Carlos Rodon, and Christian Javier. But I will say that while I think Nick got lucky with some of those guys, he is one that seizes the moment. And he capitalized on these breakouts by compounding this group of players plus his first round pick of Christian Yelich by going out and getting fellow MVP Cody Bellinger. I know that Bellinger hasn't made any contributions for him yet, but I expect that one way or another, Bellinger and Yelich will both pay dividends to Nick, whether he decides to go the route of selling a couple of his valuable keepers to gear up for a shot at the title, or whether he chooses to sell his studs for even more high value keepers. So regardless of what he chooses to do, finishing higher in the standings is only going to benefit him because he'll either get a shot at winning some money or he'll get a shot at a higher pick since our draft odds no longer favor the worst records in the league. So Nick is certainly uh, the clear choice for Cinderella story early through the season as far as we're concerned. Jake, your most surprising seed, who is it? All right, so I picked Jordan for this one. Um, I think I was higher on Jordan's team coming in the year than most other people that I talked to, maybe even including Jordan himself. Uh, but I viewed him as being a clear third team in the East with Jarwin kind of being the threat to take that spot. Uh, obviously, the last, that, that has not worked out quite so much, but uh, it's definitely a surprise to me to see him just kind of barely cling to a playoff spot. He's currently eighth, eighth overall right now, which would be the last spot or the last wild card spot in our league. I think it's fair to say that his team is underperformed. I liked his offense a lot coming into the year, but they're only eighth so far in total points. Uh, granted, he has not had Springer for most of the year, and also losing Starling Marte would hurt a lot. Combine that with underperformance from DJ LeMahieu and Glaber Torres, and that pretty much takes out all your studs on offense. I think the only, one, the only other one is Jose Ramirez. Uh, the pitching side has been a little better with Glass now taking uh, the ace turn and carrying the load for him there, but he struggled to find some consistency behind him. Uh, both Dylan Bundy and Charlie Morton are underperforming and it's kind of been a revolving door with those other two, uh, other two rotation slots. Overall, I think Jordan still has some time to write the ship, but, and I think he will get better um, as some of his stars start to perform like stars again, but he does need to string some wins together soon because Nick's team, like we said, is only going to get better. And the only way you're guaranteed a playoff spot is a top three finish in the division. And uh, if he doesn't start stringing some wins together, that could start slipping away soon, pretty soon. So Jake's pick was the number four seed in the East Division. 
my pick for most surprising seed was his opposite, the number four seed in the West Division, Big Money Mike, who has a record of four and six as well. He's the number seven seed overall, so actually not as bad as you would think in comparison with the rest of the league. Entering the season as a top two team for both me and Jake, Mike's start to the season was somewhat of a shock. He looked primed for a huge year behind early MVP candidate Fernando Tatis Jr., early National League Rookie of the Year favorite Cabrian Hayes, and a powerful one-two punch of Walker Bueller and Brandon Woodruff. Uh, But as they tend to in fantasy sports, and particularly on Mike's fantasy rosters, things change quickly. Uh, While Mike was the lowest scoring team in the league through the first two matchup periods, he has since traded, I counted, a total of 17 players across six trades. Yes, Big Money Mike has lived up to his nickname early this season as he only has two trades left before that $5 trade fee applies until our league trade deadline day. Uh, But thankfully for Mike, this has seemed to kind of inspire his roster as he's gone four and two since then. And he has looked like the strong team that we expected from the beginning, albeit with an entirely different roster than we initially spoke high praise of. But hey, I commend Mike because in fantasy, you have to win by whatever means necessary. And, you know, that's the motto of our podcast after all. I'll pivot here and give you my biggest disappointment in terms of seeding so far, Jake. It's got to be Jerwin, uh, testicular Torkelson with a one and nine record. He is the number five seed out of six in the East, the number 11 seed overall in the league out of 12. There was no clear choice in my mind as I was confidently expecting Jerwin to enter the season with one of the strongest rosters in the league after entering the draft with what I thought were really strong keepers then, Kyle Tucker. Corbin Burns, both coming at very steep discounts and even getting Lucas Giolito in the first round to secure his pocket aces. But things quickly turned south for Jerwin, even though Burns has has kind of looked like the long lost member of the super elite tier of starting pitching alongside the likes of Jacob deGrom, Garrett Cole and Shane Bieber through the early part of the season. Even still, Corbin Burns record breaking performance on the young season in that record that I'm talking about, he compiled the most strikeouts ever to start a season before issuing a walk to a batter. Uh, This could not even save Jerwin from his lustful prospect vice is what I'll call it. I'll keep it brief because I've already touched on this in prior episodes, but I really thought Jerwin did himself a disservice by combining a risky early round strategy. If you remember, he took Brandon Lau in the third round and then dropped him like 10 days into the season. He combined that with the selection of unproven prospects or rookies in the mid-rounds. Think like Gavin Lux was one of his keepers. He's also dropped him, and I think he's now on your team, Jake. Uh, But he does have some bright spots. I'll I'll give some some praise to Jerwin here. Thanks to some well-spent late-round draft picks on guys like Michael Kopech and Luis Patino, but he does have a lot of groundwork to do in order to make up the gap in the standings between him and the last playoff spot in his division so far. Jake, who is your biggest disappointment in our league in terms of seeding? All right. So I took a more, what have you done for me lately approach. So I picked Sam. Uh, When I look at Sam's roster, I see a playoff team. So I am definitely disappointed to see a team that is currently out of the playoff picture. Uh, His pitching staff is mostly to blame as it fell to 10th overall with this performance last week. Really, it's 
pretty close to last place. He's only 21 points above the last place pitching staff uh, with three weeks. Now uh, three straight weeks, he's failed to top 200 points. Uh, it might be time to start pursuing some upgrades. Uh, not to say that he isn't trying, but his last few trades have focused on upgrading the offense rather than the pitching. Um, I think we have to remember that this could really be even worse as he was one stat correction away from being tied for last in the West division. Uh, it's definitely not too late for Sam to turn things around. It, like you said, it's still early. I still do like his roster. Uh, but with another week of underperformance, you have to start feeling a little bit, maybe a little urgent. Uh, it's a, it's, it is a very tough spot to be in. Uh, you don't want to be hasty and make a panic trade. But at the same time, um, I don't know how much longer you can wait for really the, the pitching to fix itself, uh, especially with a lot of players like that, where they all struggle at the same time. Uh, there's... There's not a lot of there's not a lot that's telling me that they're going to just all snap out of this and everything's going to be okay. I guess is what I'm kind of trying to get at here. But yeah, I don't I don't think it's time to start to start full panic mode here, but maybe start feeling a little bit a little bit urgent to upgrade that pitching staff. Yeah. So for our standings deep dive, Cinderella story, Nick and or sorry, Jake and I both chose Nick. Uh, as our Cinderella story, most surprising seed. Jake went with the somewhat disappointing Jordan of the East Division, who is number four out of six. I went with a similar route in Big Money Mike, who's number four out of six in the West Division. As far as our biggest disappointments, I went with Jerwin. Jake went with Sam as a recap for our standings deep dive. Manager of the month. Uh, I'm actually going to give some airtime to somebody that we haven't talked about quite yet on this episode. My choice was Brendan Cleveland white males who has a record of six and four. And I'll preface this by saying, um, I think we tend to produce content around teams that are moving a lot, whether that's up or down, you'll notice that in our standings deep dive. I did want to give them or take a moment to say, uh, you know, the top teams in the league, Courtney, JC, Jake, I'll even give myself a minor pat on the back. We don't give as much airtime to these teams because I think that their performance speaks to or speaks for itself, uh, both in terms of this season, as well as their track record of success in this league. So for some of you that might be listening, that find yourself at the top of the standings year after year, don't take offense to us not talking about you as much. Take that actually as a pat on the back to say that your team, we expect it to be up near the top. It's not veering at all from our expectation. So there's not really much left to talk about. Uh, so JC and Courtney, I'm talking to you too. Great job on the season so far. But getting back to my choice for manager of the month, Brendan. This may, this may be the narrative of my contributions to the podcast so far in the young season, but I have done a complete 180 on Brendan's team this year. As you've heard me mention on numerous occasions, I predicted during our bold prediction segment on the second episode of the year that Brendan would miss playoffs for the first time ever in our league's history this season. Instead, Brendan has proven a few things to me. One, he will get things done to address weakness, even if it's not his usual style, like he typically wouldn't trade early in the season. But it's clear that he also felt the need to address pitching because he's made two big moves that were key to turning his weakness into a strength early this season. Second thing, he's much smarter analytics-wise than I ever thought to give him credit for. 
And for that, I do owe Brendan an apology because I always chalked up Brendan's success in large part to luck or the it factor or the fantasy baseball God showing him favor, whatever you want to call it. But instead, Brendan has shown me very clearly this season, um, just through private conversations, that he has, he has a very analytical mind and really knows what he's looking for and how to apply analytics properly, all, of course, in my humble opinion. I think that he's doing a great job of, of knowing what he's searching for and using it to his advantage as a fantasy manager. The third thing that he's proven to me is you truly can't count him out in any matchup. And lately, I've been so torn on every matchup he's involved with on who to select as the winner. This is mostly because he's been playing some of the best competition in the league early this season. But still, something keeps drawing me to pick Brendan to be the winner every time. And, and we'll see if Sam can unseat that tendency this week when we, when we make our picks for this week's matchups later in the episode. So for those reasons, Brendan is my manager of the month. Jake, who do you have as manager of the month? I have the same pick, and I don't really have a whole lot more to add on this than what you've already said. And I know what, what we've already talked about in uh, some previous episodes. My comp has always been the Tampa Bay Rays, and I'm really sticking with that. He's gotten the most out of what was a mediocre keeper pool. He had a great draft, and his in-season management to this point, I think, has been probably up there with the best out of anyone. Uh, has, he had a couple of trades that were able with the, with the additions of Freddie Peralta and Aaron Savale where he addressed the weakness that was his pitching staff. And he had a couple late round picks in both Carlos Santana and Byron Buxton that are both looking terrific right now. Uh, so I think that the, his big test now is coming up where we'll see if he can survive the injuries to both Buxton and he's, he just lost Dustin May for the season, uh, as well as whatever is going on with Denelson Lamette. So we'll see if he can survive, he can survive those, but I definitely have faith in him that he will, come to the other side of this as still a playoff team and still a very strong team in the competitive West division. And one more pat on the back for Brendan, because I just saw when I was, I knew he was going to be gone. I knew some team would have added him. Didn't know who would have, who it would have been, but I noticed Tyler Anderson for the Pittsburgh pirates of all teams, Tyler Anderson of all pitchers really has been having somewhat of a breakout season himself this year um, and pitched, well, again, this weekend, and I just went to see, again, figured that somebody else had already picked him up, but I go and look, and of course, Brendan was the one to scoop him up, so one more pat on the back there for Brendan. Who knows if it'll last from Tyler Anderson, but he's certainly having a lot of success early this season, so that's just another player that Brendan was savvy enough to scoop up before anybody else got to him, so kudos to Brendan, our unanimous manager of the month. Jake, give us your standout player of the week. All right, so we've been showering Brennan with a lot of praise. So I'm just going to – got to bring him back down to earth a little bit. So my, my standout player is Aaron Judge, who was a standout for the wrong reasons. He was two for 21. Both of the hits were singles with one run, three walks, 13 strikeouts, which would be a 61.9 strikeout percentage. Uh, for the week, he had a total of negative 6.8 points. And not only was this the worst performance out of any hitter in anyone's lineups this week, uh, but it was also the worst performance for any hitter in all of fantasy baseball. Uh, his worst game came on May 5th, where he went 0 for 5 and got the platinum sombrero, which is striking out five times, which you never want to have. Ultimately, I think this is just really a blip on the radar. Uh, Judge is still a very good hitter. 
despite this week, he's still in the 98th percentile or better in average exit velocity, max as max exit velocity and hard hit percentage, which has kind of always been his MO. He always hits the ball very hard. Uh, rostering judge is always going to have its peaks and valleys throughout the season. Sometimes he'll have week, weeks like this where nothing seems to fall for him and the strikeouts kind of skyrocket. But when he's hot, he can also put up weeks where he leads all hitters in points. And I really don't have a whole lot of concerns about him going forward. That is Jake's standout player of the week, Aaron Judge. Let's look ahead to our matchup preview for week six. I will go ahead and lead us off by giving you my best matchup of the week. Maybe a little biased here, but I am going with me versus Mike, number one contender versus big money Mike. Two teams that are expected to be in the thick of the playoff race in the West Division. Mike and I have kind of bounced back and forth week over week and who outscores the other. You know, if we played each other head to head on a weekly basis through this point in the season, I would have won in weeks one, two, and four, while Mike would have taken weeks three and five. So really, if you exclude Mike's dismal week one, we've kind of passed the torch back and forth between the two of us every week since the start of our second matchup period this season. And if you take notice of the difference in point totals so far in the season, which between Mike's team and mine is a total of 215.8. And this might be a little complicated here, but if you follow along with me, if you divide that by two, since it's actually multiplying our point totals by two each week to the second ma- due to the second matchup with the league median, Mike has actually only scored 108 fewer points than I have this year if we're just going by head-to-head matchups. And that's just over a third of a matchup's worth of points, which is not as many as our records of seven and three and four and six would have you believe at face value. So I think that this matchup will be close. And I think that my pick as to who wins this matchup might surprise you. We'll get back to that in a little bit. Jake, who's your best matchup for this week? All right. So this pick is definitely biased because I get to hear all the banter between them when they have head to head matchups. So I chose Jordan versus Jerwin. And really a big part of my decision to pick this one was because of what's at stake. I feel like this is a matchup where two teams are fighting to stay in playoff contention, even this early in the season. Jerwin needs to keep going one and one at worst to stay in the playoff picture. Uh, While Jordan is, like we said before, is kind of just hanging on to that eighth seed. A top three finish in the East, like we said, guarantees a playoff spot. So Jordan needs a win to stay within striking distance, especially against a weaker opponent. The schedule is not going to get easier going forward. I, I don't ex- really expect this to be a high scoring matchup, but I do expect this to be close and I definitely expect it to be fun. So that's why this was my pick for best matchup. Nice. Who do you have for a worst matchup, Jake? I'll have you go ahead and turn around and give give us that. All right, so first, I do want to say that I didn't really think that there were many bad matchups this week. I thought this week there we had a lot of, that would be pretty close. I chose Scott versus JC as mine. Um, it, the only reason I'm really choosing this one is that Scott is just getting this team, and I think that it's going to take a little bit before he's going to be able to get it competitive again. He inherited a pretty bad situation. And while JC, JC has been consistently near the top of the league in scoring, so I think that this is probably the one that – uh, stands out to me as the worst one. I do think that Scott is off to a good start, though. I really did like a lot of the ads that he made. I liked the Luis Garcia pickup as a two-start guy this week, especially. Uh, and really, the roster will already be more competitive not having some injured players in the starting lineup. 
So he's off to a good start. Yeah, at Jordan's request, I decided to shy away from choosing that roster for the worst matchup portion, at least for one more week while Scott gets his legs under him. And I went a different route by choosing Courtney versus Eddie, Team C. Deemer versus Gone Forever. I briefly mentioned earlier that I think Eddie's team has a path to rise, but this is certainly the worst circumstance under which he could hope to put together a head-to-head win streak. Um, For everything that Eddie's team has the potential to be strong in, Courtney's team is kind of the put it all together and everything goes well version of that best case scenario for Eddie's roster. She has the best weekly floor with an elite offense, a trio of starting pitchers that she can pair with volume to create a high point total ceiling for herself each week. And maybe most importantly, the health of all of her players, uh, all of her key players, that is. So while Eddie has been showing signs of life, I think he unfortunately meets his maker, so to speak, here in week six and takes a pretty brutal beating at the hands of Courtney's team. Uh, I will say, don't worry, Eddie. She whooped my ass just a week ago. Nobody's team is safe from Jake's grandpa. I mean, Courtney. Nobody's team is safe from Courtney. So that is my worst matchup of the week. Let's get into matchup predictions. So our matchup records... On the season so far, Jake, I am sitting at 16 and 8. You are sitting at 15 and 9. So we've both been doing pretty well and we're both neck and neck there. And Jerwin had himself a pretty good week. He went 4 and 2, which I know that they're going head to head this week. So I'll start to add a little bit of fuel onto the fire. 4 and 2 is just slightly better than Jordan's record of 3 and 3 when he came here on the podcast and made his picks as well. So, Jake, first matchup of the week that I have listed. Me versus Big Money Mike. Who do you have winning this matchup? This was definitely the toughest one to pick, but I'm going to go with Nate. I think that the struggles early last week, which I guess you didn't see, uh, I don't think that those are going to show up again. Having having Bieber twice is a pretty big advantage. Uh, I think this will definitely be a good game. It should be the highest scoring matchup of the week, but I am going to go with you as my winner. I mentioned earlier that it might surprise you. Uh, maybe that spoiled my pick. I'm going to go big money Mike here. And I, I think maybe I'm just doing this superstition thing where if I keep picking against myself, I'll just keep winning. So if anything else, you can just chalk it up to that. But I did take a look at Mike's roster. I saw that it may not be his best guys that all have two start weeks, but he does have the potential to get up to nine starts from his slew of starting pitchers this week. Um, so if he keeps his top guys in the lineup and kind of blends that with trying to maximize as much volume as he can from some of the other ancillary starting pitchers that he has, he will get up there in volume. It will be more than mine. I know I have Bieber going twice, which is a a great advantage, similar to DeGrom going twice, which is what you had against JC last week. But I just have a feeling. I have a feeling that Big Money Mike is going to Pull this one out. I think it's going to be a great matchup, like you said. Probably the highest scoring of the week, but I'm going to go with Mike here. Second yeah, matchup. DeGrom did oh, not go, go. He did not go twice last week. He got hurt in the. Well, he he had his first start skipped because of his of his side. Oh, did he have the first start skipped? I knew that he went over the weekend because I did see that he was warming up. I think for what the sixth inning and got pulled as a precaution. A couple warm up pitches in. I. Yeah. Yes, I missed since I wasn't checking fantasy that he got skipped earlier in the week. So my mistake there, but you still pulled out the win on JC. So maybe you can salvage that uh, miss on two starts from DeGrom by hopefully getting two starts from him back. Um, 
when he comes off IL. We'll see how. I'd be. I mean, I'm not nervous for Degrom, but obviously, it's not good anytime a pitcher goes on IL, and certainly not good anytime it's an upper body injury that could affect you know their pitching. So we'll we'll monitor Degrom. I would hope for your sake, even for your sake, as my as who I would consider my league rival, that you don't lose your best starting pitcher. Uh, I think to be the best, you got to beat the best. So I hope you have him heading into the the deep part of the season, into the playoffs. But we'll see how that how that shakes out for you. Second matchup, I have Cleveland White Males versus TP Prez, Sam versus Brendan. I think we called this the rubber match entering the season, or am I mistaking that for a different matchup? Uh, might be mistaken it for another one, but I do think that these, these two have played each other quite a bit. Yeah. So who do you have winning this matchup in particular? All right. So I'm going to go with Brendan on this one. I expect, I do expect it to be another good one. I don't think that Sam is going to score under 200 points again. I don't expect that to happen. Uh, but it is hard for me to pick him when he is coming off three weeks scoring under 200 points. Whereas we just, we just showered Brendan with a bunch of praise. So, so I'm going with Brennan on this one. I do expect, like I said, though, I do expect it to be close. Yeah, the praise doesn't stop here. I also went with Brendan. Sam did not break the tendency of me wanting to pick Brendan almost on a weekly basis now. So I would expect Brendan to continue rolling here. And uh, hopefully Sam's team can bust out of the slump. This will be a challenging matchup to do it because Brendan's team is certainly uh, one of the tops in our league. So, and I, I just pulled it up. Uh, Sam and Brendan have played each other 10 times and Brendan is leading the series seven to three. All right. So including three wins in the playoffs. He has dominated this matchup. Sam, we'll see if you can unseat him this week, at least just for this time. Next matchup we have, which I have already given you my pick for is team C Deemer versus gone forever. Courtney versus Eddie. I have Courtney Winning pretty convincingly in this matchup myself. Do you see it any differently, Jake? I also have Courtney in this one, uh, kind of like you alluded to. I, I, I do think Eddie's headed in the right direction, but man, Courtney's team just has too much firepower right now. Would you choose anybody over Courtney's team, let's just say for this week, just to get a feel for where you're at on Courtney's team? This week, I, I don't think so. I think I, I think I would have a shot if... I was able to, I guess, for lack of a better term, out-volume her with some of my starters. Sure. Well, I would agree with you there. It's, I think just on the just for the stretch that she's on right now, it's going to be tough to beat Courtney, barring some crazy week like she had a few weeks ago where her team just completely hooped the bed and underperformed. But we both have Courtney winning that matchup. The next one I suspect that we will agree on as well. Team No Name. We're calling it that by, or for the very first time. If you notice Scott's play on words, it's technically Team Eminon, but backwards it would be Team No Name. Scott is a big Game of Thrones fan, and this would be a play on the Faceless Man. So Team No Name is what we are going to be referring to Scott's team as until or unless he rebrands. But he is playing JC this week. I think you already alluded that JC should come out as the winner in your opinion i would agree with that am i right yeah i have jc in this one i i think that scott needs more he he joined what on sunday i yeah, think that he needs more ago. than a, i think he needs more than a day to turn this around i would agree uh he's you know he doesn't have a terrible 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 base to start with but it is going to take some time 
So we both have JC winning this matchup. Jake, I will give you my thoughts on your matchup with Nick. We have Jake's fantasy baseball team versus Pine Run Market. Because of both, obviously you are 10 and 0, so you have been doing well. Nick has been doing well as of late, but I am going to stick with the performance on the season so far and with track record and say that you are going to win this matchup. How are you feeling coming into the week? I think I can win this one even. I'm not going to have DeGrom this week, so I think I can win without him. I'm glad that the Mets did me a solid and said that they weren't going to start him instead of waiting until they'd already played a game. And they're like, oh, now he's on the aisle. But, yeah, I, nobody has a really big playing time advantage for this one with either hitters or pitchers, so I'm, I'm liking my roster with this one. Jake, why don't you turn around and give us your pick of the winner for the matchup that you chose as the best of the week between Kenny Ross, Mercedes, and Testicular Torkelson? All right, this is my big upset pick. I think Jarwin stays alive here with a win. Uh, Corbin Burns, I think he's going to make his return this week. And I, I actually like Winker and Senzel to carry Jarwin's offense because the Reds have one of the easiest schedules this week for hitters. They got three games against the Pirates, and then they turn around and have four in Colorado. So I think that Jarwin stays alive here, and he knocks off Jordan in this, uh, which should be a very fun matchup. I come on the other side. I have confidence in my boy, Jordy, the general. I'm going to pick Kenny Ross Mercedes to win this matchup. And let's transition to our around the league portion of the podcast from there. Jake, why don't you give us your league history fact of the week? All right. I have to add even more fuel to this fire. Since Jordan entered the league in 2018, he has historically struggled to beat one team. And that one team is Jerowin. He is one and six against Jerowin, including a playoff loss, while he is 19 and 22 against the rest of the league. That is interesting for sure, given that I have not been shy about saying this, but Jerowin does not have a track record of success in our league as far as I can remember. So we will see if if Jordan can kind of prove prove worthy that he can top one of our I don't want to insult Jerwin here, but one of the bottom feeders as far as our league history is concerned in terms of, you know, historical performance. Let's see if, if Jordan can kind of start to even the path there with his matchups with, with Jerwin. So interesting stat there. While we're on the topic of Jordan, Jordan, why don't you take us away with our inaugural weekly sportsbook segment, which I have coined the name of Jordy the General's Sportsbook Take it away, Jordan. Hey, Nate. Hey, Jake. Thanks for uh, having me on. I'm excited to be a part of this. Um, first, I'm just going to give a, a brief introduction about what the, what, uh, the segment's going to be about. We're going to be doing uh, fantasy, fantasy gambling picks against the spread, over-unders. Um, how i just going to give a quick uh, introduction on how I made these projections first. Mainly was just using, using fan tracks and their updates. Um, also trying to do a little bit of tinkering on my own based on if I see anyone on the I.L., or um, anyone I think could be in, in or out of someone's lineup based off of that. I'm also going to be giving, um, giving any trends that I see, any how uh, teams are typically performing against the spread, maybe as a favorite, maybe as an underdog. Um, I'm, I'm also going to be taking a look at how they perform against the total points on an individual level and on a, uh, on a matchup-based level. I'm also going to be going over just the league in general, how, uh, how people's picks are doing. Um, what I want each, each uh, person in the uh, league to do is give one pick 
for each matchup, whether that be the spread or the total, or they can parlay it both and get three points. Um, and really the goal is just obviously accumulate as many points as possible. Um, and whoever ends up wins going to get, going to get the, uh, pick the, the snacks of the draft, which obviously is a huge bonus. Um, I'm also, I'm going to end the segment normally by giving, uh, Given my locks of the week, I'm going to do one favorite against the spread. I'm going to do one underdog against the spread. I'm going to do one over. I'm going to do one under, and I'm going to be comparing the league median over under. So I'm really excited about this. Um, first, just to start off, though, I've been tracking this since week two. So uh, if the if the numbers don't really add up, that's why. Um, like I said before, I'm looking uh, against the spread as a, as a favorite, as an underdog. Um, and the over/under on an individual level and a matchup level. Um, so let's uh, let's start digging into these matchups. So first we have uh, Jerwin against me. Um, interesting stat here: Jerwin is one of two teams that have not covered against the spread yet. He's been close a couple times, but just hasn't been able to get over the hump. Um, me and Jerwin both also don't have an over/under our belt yet. We've been two pretty low-scoring teams as of late. Um, so I'm interested to see if any of us can get over that hump. Next, we have um, Mike against Nate. Both teams have been fantastic against covering the spread so far. Uh, Nate is actually undefeated as a favorite, and he is the favorite in this matchup. So I'm very interested to see if he can continue that success. He is currently a uh, just under four points favorite, so I think this is going to be a very tight matchup, likely going to be down to a... Uh, maybe a blown save, maybe a loss, uh, a pitcher blow up or something. I'm very excited to see how this matchup goes. I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be high scoring. Um, Mike actually is tied for the most overs in the league at this point. So Mike, um, as we've seen in the past, can put up points. I think that he's going to continue to do that this week as well. Uh, third, we have the new guy, Scott, against Justin. I, um, I'm interested to see what Scott can do. Uh, starting off as a new team, um, can he uh, can he manage adequately enough to cover the spread? It is a gigantic spread. It is over 50 points. Um, it's actually 51 points as of right now. Um, one of the biggest that we've had so far against the powerhouse, like we've talked about for a while in Justin's team. Uh, I think it's big. I think that Scott definitely has the capability of doing it. However, um, you know, in just this, this short season, Justin is 1-0 against against the spread when the spread is over 50 points that came uh, week two against uh, Jerwin's team. Now the touchdown before Jerwin has not covered the spread yet. Uh, next, this might be, in my opinion, the most anticipated matchup in terms of the spread. It is uh, Jake's team against Nick. Both of these teams are Titans going against uh, the spread and covering each week. Both of these teams are four and zero. Getting to 4-0 by completely different routes, though. Nick has been an underdog in all four of his matchups so far. Um, has consistently been over 20 points um, as an underdog, whereas Jake, in almost every, every matchup, has been a, a pretty heavy favorite, except for um, his matchup against me a couple weeks ago, which he obviously covered. Um, this, this spread is pretty big, though. It is uh, 46.3 points. And uh, for two teams that have been doing well, covering the total is only 490 points which i think is pretty low i'll touch on that in a little in a little bit as well um and the next we have brendan and sam 
Uh, Sam is the other team that has not covered against the spread so far this year yet. I'm interested to see if he can get over the hump and uh, finally get his, the first cover under his belt against, against Brendan's team, has, who you guys have consistently talked about being the scrappy team, consistently an underdog. Um, the, the spread's 20 points. Can Sam, can Sam cover that? He's been um, one of the lower scoring teams the last couple of weeks. Um, again, he uh, has struggled on an individual level. Um, in terms of team performance, he's one of um, one of three teams that has not gone over their projection yet. Um, but on the other hand, too, Brendan has also struggled hitting his his projected over. So um, I'm interested to see what that can do. They have their total is currently uh, 509 points, which I think is a little bit high. Um, but I think that uh, we might be overvaluing valuing them a little bit. Sam has a, a pretty high projection of 264 points. Um, so obviously we're, we're expecting him to have a big bounce back after these last couple of weeks where he's been uh, let down, especially last week where he was covering, I think up until Friday night, maybe Saturday night. And then it all kind of fell apart for him. Um, next we have Courtney versus Eddie. Eddie had a huge week, big cover against Mike. Um, I'm excited to see if he can continue to put up these major points like he did last week with, through the performance of his pitching. Um, Courtney's favorite in this matchup by, by 29 points. Um, she's projected to be one of the higher scoring teams in the league, total 512 points uh, combined. Um, the Fantrax is expecting them to put up a lot of points, and I'm interested to see if they can do it. But... Um, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into my locks. I'm, I've been doing actually pretty well so far. I've been tracking them, like I said, since week two. I've been doing um, a favorite against the spread, underdog, over-unders, and the league median over-under. I'm currently 13-7, and seven, so I'm feeling pretty good about myself, but a lot of pressure uh, with this first week of the segment. So I'm just going get, to get into this. My favorite of the week is Courtney. I think that she will have no problem covering the spread, um, I, I do think that his team may have turned the corner a little bit, but we're still talking about Courtney, who is the juggernaut that we all know and love. Um, I don't think anyone really wants to play her. And I think the 30 points uh, for her will be pretty, pretty easy to cover overall. Next, I'm going to get into my underdog. I have a uh, neck covering 46.43 points against Jake. Like I said before, Nick has been a scrappy underdog team, consistently undervalued. He's blowing out his projections just about every week. Uh, I don't know if he'll win outright, but I definitely expect him to cover uh, one of the bigger spreads of the week. Next, uh, getting into my over. I touched on this earlier. I think the Jake and Nick matchup of 490 points easily goes over. Um, like I said just a, just a second ago, both of these teams consistently outperform their projections. Um, I think that this is going to be an easy over. I don't know how, but they are the second lowest uh, projected point total only behind Justin and Scott. I think, I think this is going to be one of the easier picks. Uh, my under pick is me and Jerwin at 502 points. I think that we're both, uh, we're both pretty bad at getting to what they expect us to get to. I think combined we've only, um, we've only outperformed on a team level, maybe once, total so i fully expect uh us to go under in this matchup i think this is an easy one and next i have the uh the league median 
the league median since I've started picking has gone under in all four matchups. And for some reason, um, I'm not going to stop picking it until it goes under. So it's been, it's been under four consecutive times. It is 262 points this week, which going through, it has not reached that once. It um, honestly hasn't even been close to that. So I'm going to take the under on this one. I think it's going to be relatively easy week for the, uh, for the league median. But uh, yeah, I'm hoping, hoping to come back with a five and zero record feeling good. But um, like I said, currently 13 and seven sitting pretty uh, way above 500. So I'm excited to, continue continue rolling continuing to uh give everyone good picks but uh yeah that's all i got for this week that was jordy the general's weekly sports book thank you jordan let's move on and close out this episode with our news and notes segment jake entering friday andrew vaughn had started six of the last seven games as the starting left fielder and I have to ask, with all the injuries, does Tony Larusa even have a choice but to start Andrew Vaughn every day at this point? I mean, I think he should start every day, but I kind of stopped expecting Tony Larusa to make the right decision a while ago. The dude just loves loves his veterans, so I don't think that he, I, I don't know that he's going to give Vaughn an extended look if he struggles. Do you, even in spite of that thought? Do you think that Andrew Vaughn will become the budding star that many expect him to be in 2021? Or do you think it'll take a little bit longer than just this season? Um, I lean towards it's going to take a little longer. There is still a lot of season left. Um, I think that the playing time situation for him now is kind of a huge plus. I don't think that Larusa has a choice but to start him. But I think that you have to be more pessimistic about really any rookie unless they're kind of a generational type prospect. But even then we've seen with guys like Vlad that they'll struggle when they come up. I think it's more, more than likely he'll, it'll take some time for him to adjust, but I, I don't know, maybe towards the end of the season when he's gotten some more exposure, I, I just lean towards being a little more pessimistic with, with rookie hitters. Sure. Another qualifying rookie hitter. This is a very sad uh, piece of news to give. Brian Hayes was transferred to the 60-day IL with an injured wrist despite facing no setbacks in his prior rehab, according to Pirates general manager Ben Sherrington. Jake, why would they move him to the 60-day IL if, if he didn't get any worse? Uh, maybe they're trying to lose. They saw that they were only fourth overall, and if the season ended today, and they're like, that's not nearly bad enough. I guess I hadn't really thought about it from that angle. That's a good point. Do you think that this helps or hurts his early career growth or neither. I guess I can I, I don't really see too. this. Yeah, I don't really see this mattering too much right now. Uh you'd obviously want him playing against like getting exposure to major league pitching, but I th- I think that he's shown that he can hang with them and I really I don't see this as being a huge deal long term. I don't think this is going to be something that's recurring. Yeah, I I certainly don't think that it will help him unless he was somehow seriously injured, which I haven't had any indication to believe that I think maybe I don't want to say it could hurt his overall career growth, but obviously he had broken onto the scene late last season. He was off to a really hot, but obviously very brief start in the 2021 season and he got hurt. So now for him to be out over two months, I just hope that he comes back as strong as he was showing himself to be again, late last season and early this season. 
Uh, I just hope that he kind of doesn't come back and fizzle out and, uh, and then leave all pirates fans wondering, like, was it just a phase? I don't think it is. I think Cabrian Hayes is going to kind of be the next homegrown star or hometown star for the Pittsburgh pirates. But I just, I don't know. I'm pessimistic when it comes to the pirates. I have hesitations. Hopefully it works out for Cabrian Hayes and this doesn't hurt in any way. Another young hitter. I don't, think he qualifies as a rookie anymore. Gavin Lux, second baseman for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's in a platoon at second base with a guy named Sheldon Noose, who I'd never heard of before putting together this segment. Uh, with Lux starting against right-handed pitchers and Noose starting against left-handed pitchers. Jake, I noticed that you finally burned your waiver priority to claim Gavin Lux. Uh, given that he seems to be in a platoon, why was this the spot that you chose to finally spend your high order in the waiver priority? Okay, so just to clear this up right right away, I did not see he was in a platoon. That is my mistake for not doing my homework. So I don't love the pick now that I do know that. Uh, but the reason I did it originally, even though there isn't a ton of hope with Lux right now, I don't really see a whole lot in his batted ball that tells me he's going to make an immediate turnaround. Uh, I'm fine with giving him some time on my bench to figure things out. It, it's not often that a guy with his upside who also is keeper eligible is on waivers. So that's kind of why I pulled the trigger there. I can't start him right now. Uh, there's definitely no way with the way that he's struggling and with the playing time, but I'm fine with giving him a look on my bench, at least until Marte comes back healthy. Hey, don't feel bad for spending your claim on Gavin Lux. I spent my claim very early in the season on Yusei Kikuche in one of the most infamy or infamous drops that I'll probably ever make. So I empathize if it doesn't work out with Gavin Lux. Uh, don't feel bad. We will close by talking about probably the least fantasy relevant player of this group, at least as of right now, CJ Crone, who was just placed on the injured list. Uh, before getting hurt with a what I thought was a minor injury this weekend, obviously not as minor now since they put him on the IL, CJ Crone was splitting time throughout the week with Matt Adams at first base for the Colorado Rockies, picking up only two starts across the previous four games before the injury. Now, I'm asking this question strictly in terms of when he comes back from the injured list. Jake, is this concerning moving forward? as far as it concerns Crone's chances at becoming a relevant first baseman in our weekly lineup locks league. Yeah. Platoon players are really tough to start in weekly leagues. So anytime a player is in one, that's really a huge concern. I would say that Crone is probably unrosterable. If he is in one, he's not the type of guy where he's going to have the upside where you would want to leave him on your bench. Um, I would really only start him when he has maybe a week where he's getting six or seven games and they're all in course if this is his role moving forward. Yeah, fair enough. I would agree. I wanted to take a brief moment at the end of the episode here, since I know that we haven't already to say, Scott, welcome to the league. We are excited to have you. I know not just Jake and I, but others in the league who recommended you be the replacement for Andrew are excited to have you as well. Finally, I feel like after three or four years of turning over that manager position in the league with like three or four different players. I know for a fact now that we have a solid manager in Scott who is going to be committed for the long haul. So I'm happy about that. I wanted to say on a personal note, Jake, congratulations. Jake just graduated with a bachelor's of science in stats. Is that right, Jake? Yes, that is correct. 
from the University of Pittsburgh. So hail to Pitt, even though I'm not a grad, H2P. Congrats, Jake. And Brendan also just graduated from Messiah College, I think with a degree in secondary education in English, I want to say. I haven't asked Brendan anytime recently, but I'm fairly confident that's the degree that he got. So congrats to Brendan for his accomplishment. And JC just graduated this past weekend with his MBA from IUP. So a lot of great things happening for everyone in our league. It's one of the cool things about this fantasy league is, you know, we're all, this all started with us being friends in high school and all knowing each other and saying, Hey, let's, let's start a fantasy baseball league. It'll be a lot of fun, but obviously we've been playing together now for, even though we've only done the keeper league for four years now, we've been playing together for the better part of like six years. Um, and as much as everyone has built a reputation of themselves over the years of being friendly in trade negotiations or friendly in the league chat with banter or not friendly, whatever you think of people, it is cool that we all kind of have this connection to watch each other grow over the years. And just wanted to make sure to shout out everybody's accomplishments because we are all getting older, all becoming adults. And it's cool to see everybody uh, kind of making their own way in life. So did want to take a moment just to share all those things. But yeah, definitely congratulations to JC and Brennan. Yeah, and you, Jake. Don't leave yourself out. <laughs> yeah, thanks. All great accomplishments. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this seventh episode of the Best Player Wins Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We appreciate all of your support as always, and we will see you next week for episode eight. Eert.